Believe it or not, on first impressions, you weren't as tall as I thought you'd be. Well, Has anyone go. ever said that to you? Never. Never. Six foot has never been. Not six as foot tall. on the dot. Yeah. And when were you six foot? When were you first six foot? From tall? twelve. From twelve. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I heard. I went to the encyclopedia of um, Mind Survey Plus this morning. Okay. Uh, I rang up Mr. Brett Graycock. I said, "Right, I'm interviewing Lades the Savvy." <laughs> Have you got any dirt on her? Oh, sure, <laughs> that, that is what my um that that's what my research consists Good. of. Other people um dobbing people in, and he said you're on drugs at a very young age. Yeah, probably because <laughs> you were six foot. Yeah, yeah, I was actually. Yeah, they put me on drugs to stop me growing, and it didn't do a very good job. I suppose well, you didn't go past six foot at no, 12. but I was meant to be six foot five. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so I did that. Well, that's what they predicted, but you yeah. never know. So why anyway. at twelve? That is unbelievable. I know, but they put me on the drugs when I was like seven. Who was that? Your parents or no? You... The GP recommended it. So, but was that because you were going to grow too it... quick for your your body? No, in a way? it was going to be hard to find a husband, and it wasn't cool in the seventies, and it was going to be hard to find clothes and hard to find shoes. A lot of shit that's cool these days wasn't cool in the seventies. No, <laughs> no, exactly. Hard to find a husband. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, yep, that was another lifetime. So yeah, there you go. There would have been some perks, but um, if I had been six, yeah, if I had been six foot five, yeah, there would have been some really good perks. But it's still, I still like being six foot. It's still good fun. Six foot's a good number. Yeah, you can see at concerts. I'm good at sports. I do one step to my girlfriend's two steps at running, and yeah, lots of good perks. Good for um, long swatting legs. flies on walls yeah. or bigger reach. Yep, people always ask me to help them in the supermarket, so I've always got plenty of friends coming up to the supermarket and going, how are ya? Can you just get that up there for me? And you'll see them before they see you because yeah. you'll check over the aisle. <laughs> <laughs> Very funny, yeah. Oh, there you go. So where should we start? As I said, we've got no plan. I, th- I, th- I actually thought it would do two episodes. Okay, Because right. one about you, because yep. uh, based on... Brett's research he's given mm-hmm. me and uh and my quick LinkedIn stalk in the car park there. Okay, good. You've got a very, very um a very interesting life that I'd like to delve into. Yes. And then once we get to the end and realise you're a business coach, I thought, why not do a live tutorial? We could talk about what you do, but we could do a live case study on me. Okay. There you go. Absolutely. Win yep. win. No, we nothing could, nothing better than that. seeing it in real yeah. practice. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so we'll, I thought we'd do we'll start with episode one because that'd probably make more sense. Okay. You don't watch the sequel first. I'm, I'm <laughs> more than happy to. Have yeah. you done a podcast before? Yeah, heaps. Yeah. Which which ones? What were they oh. more businessy ones? Oh yes. Um. Oh, and I've done a few where people have asked um to hear my story um in relation to inspiration and and mm. things and courage and things like that. But yeah. Where did the where did the inspiration and courage from? Where did that first start? Um, Is that from the the twelve year old six foot or? Uh, well, we've had a lot of challenges in our life, and so as 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 one overcomes each challenge, it gets um, it's like going to the gym. The muscles get stronger, mm. the resilience gets stronger, and mm. so then that means that next time there's another challenge, well, you're a little bit tougher and a little bit more resilient to get through that. Where so, was your first, what was your first challenge? 
Um, well, I suppose you could say it was it was um, in relation to um, having the drugs as a young person because I got um, I, it actually um, made me quite sick. And so when I was 33, I was given five years to live because um, there was a disease eating up um, my organs and they referred that back to the drugs I was given when I was a child. From 21 years earlier. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So so that was pretty challenging, but I overcome it and I'm still here now. And so, yeah, I didn't die when they thought I'd die. So Yeah, did you good. overcome it? Lots of good drugs. Yeah. Also drugs on the drugs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Geez, you'd be good to lay out everything you've had across your life on the yeah, table. Yeah. You could have a, a, a like yeah. a big bender, a supplier bender for yeah. everyone by the sounds. I could, I could, I could. And and I suppose the first challenge really as a, as an adult was um my husband was in a house fire, this house. And um This this house. Yeah, yeah. And um wow. I saved his life and um he was on fire from head to toe. So um he a can of petrol exploded in his face. And so I dragged him through the house and luckily we had a pool and got him in the pool and mm. saved his life. Um, wow. How did, how did that all come about? <coughs> Can it was just coming on fire. When was this? Um, when we were first married, when we just bought the house, we'd only been in here for three months. So quite a long time ago when we were first um, a new, newly married young couple when life was just perfect. And I actually remember sitting at the traffic lights the night it happened on the way home. We've been to see... Kevin Bloody Wilson of all people <laughs> <laughs> had a couple of gins at the old Subi Theatre. Oh, and that's before gins was in. Yeah. Gins are in now. I know that. Were, yeah, I was. I was a, a, a trendy young couple. I was into gin. I had a couple of gins then. The old Gilby's gin. That was the only <laughs> gin you could get. Oh. Um. All. All. All those years ago. And then. Um. I remember sitting there thinking, life is perfect. And this is what it must be like to be an adult. Like I just had this overwhelming feeling of wow, this is surreal. Life is perfect. I've got a husband who's lovely and gorgeous and loves me. I've got a new house that we just bought our first ever house and I have a real job like that we're paid every week. And I was like, this is, this is what all adults must feel like. And then um, that was on the way home in the car. And then that night, um, my husband decided to um, get a can of petrol that my dad had left with the mower and put a cap of petrol on the fire to start the fire quickly. But he had a nylon trench coat on and a woolen jumper, and the static electricity caused spontaneous combustion. Oh right! And the little jerry can exploded in his face. So, so he was. Doused. So he did. Was he near the fire? Nowhere when it near happened? it. He was walking. Static the electricity yeah. caused it. Are yeah. you kidding me? And it just, um, it just as he opened it, it just exploded in his face. So, so the vape, all the vapor. Yep, he was oh doused in petrol from head so what, to toe. What type of jacket was it? Like a. It was just a, a, a coat that had a nylon lining, but because he had a jumper, I mean, you've ever taken a jumper off in the dark and it's like all the sparks. Yeah, right. Well, that's what it was. So the fumes wow. as he opened the can of petrol and the sparks ignited. Yeah. And, and it caused the can to explode and he was holding it so it wasn't grounded and it just exploded in his hands and his face. And where were you at the time? I've just gone to bed, so I was asleep. Yeah. And, and then I and woke up with him screaming. Oh, so you heard the yeah, commotion I heard him from screaming, it. yeah. And the house was on fire. This front room was on fire. And um the electricity wasn't working, so I couldn't turn the light on. So I thought, what the hell's going on? And um he was screaming and he was in the shower with the the water full bore on trying to stop it but it wasn't making any difference oh even under the shower not waking any difference at all because he was dousing petrol it was roaring 
Yeah. So, um, so I just opened the door of the bedroom and then was greeted by this this worst nightmare scene you've ever seen, and um, with him screaming, and the smell of the burning flesh and the burning paint and all everything was just dripping off all his face, his ears, his hands, everything. It was like he was made out of um like wax and it was just all dripping off oh my it was god horrible um so i just picked up a towel and quickly smothered the the flames and then just dragged him into um the back into the pool and got him in the pool and then had to knock on the neighbor's door and start screaming for ambulance and fire engine and because the house on fire and yeah <clears throat> and then realized i was naked because i was like shit the fire engine's coming i've got to get back into the burning house to try and get a a dressing gown because I'm I'm like was asleep at the time and that was you know I had to go back in I crawled under the smoke to get a dressing gown the and weirdest things you think about in I the know. moment of crisis so stupid if you, if you think back to that now I know I, know. I was like yeah. why the, 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 the smoke was like only a foot off the ground so the house was pretty filled with smoke but I still went back to get a dressing gown which was stupid but anyway I did and um yeah and then on the third day he um he he stopped he passed away he that, that was that was he he was his face was swollen like a medicine ball and he just he was in an isolated glass room and he just um gave up and they didn't they didn't hold much hope he was over 30 percent of his body was third degree burns mm. and um and so on that day three when it was all swollen and weeping you couldn't even tell he was a human they have to, they had to ask me to bring a photo of him in to see what he looked like and so um, I'm sitting next to him and everything stopped. And I'm thinking, oh, shit, this is it. He's gone. He's, he's you know, this is, this is, this, you know, is this is it. It was all nothing. And they, st doctors all started running around. And then in the faint distance in the background, in the ICU, the glass isolated room, uh, they had the radio. And I heard talking heads burning down the house. And I was like, fuck, it's not over yet. That was our favourite song. We used to dance to it at three o'clock in the morning, drunk as skunks. And I'm like, nah, he's, it's not over yet. He's come back. You can't, that's the sign. You can't have burning down the house, talking heads playing on the exact same time that he's just gone kaput. And then maybe a minute or so, not sure how long it took, but um, he started breathing again. And they're like, shit, we think he might make it. We think there's a chance. And from that minute on, they didn't let anyone else come in and see him because everyone had gone in to say goodbyes. Everyone that knew him and loved him went in and said goodbyes. But from then on, they didn't let anyone in. I had to scrub gown and it was I was the only visitor that was allowed in to see him. And then about oh maybe three weeks later, he was the first time I spoke to him because he was in ICU for three weeks. And then he went into the Burns unit. Um, he First time he spoke to me, he said, oh, I've had some pretty spooky dreams, really weird. And I said, well, yeah, you've been on a lot of, you know, big drugs. And he said, but I had this weirdest dream where I saw my body and I realised I'd seriously effed up and it, my head looked like a medicine ball. It didn't look like me. It was black and charred and you were next to me and mum and dad were on the other side of the glass. So he said, I know it was a dream because mum and dad live in Edinburgh. They live in Scotland. And I had a choice to stay or go and I knew that if I chose to stay, it was going to be really, really, really hard. But um, I had, you know, saw you there, saw, you know, my newly married wife there and um, all the dreams and plans we'd made for the next 30, 40, 50 years together because we'd had a, a, whole, a whole big list of things that we wanted to achieve. 
he said, I saw that big list and thought, well, shit, we've just started. I can't, I can't give up now. I can't let you down now. And I saw my parents there and, and the look in them and I thought, nah, shit, I'll, I'll, it's going to be hard, but I'll give it a crack. And um, his, I said to him, that, that happened. That wasn't a dream. And this is Mr. Atheist of the universe that thinks that there's nothing else about anything that we can't see. And I was like, your parents were here for, for weeks, but they've had to go home now. And they were sitting, they weren't allowed in. They were sitting behind, they wouldn't have touched you. They were sitting behind the glass because um, you were in a glass room. So, yeah, that was my probably challenge number one in, in adulthood. Just number one. That was the start because he couldn't, he, like, they, he had 17 general anaesthetics that first year. He was in the hospital for most of the year and we were just newlyweds. And so um, then when he came home, he couldn't use his hands. So I had to feed him, dress him, shower him. I didn't, you know, I didn't sign up for that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that, that's what you do. So, um, so I had to help him and get through all that. And that took years and years and years and years and years. And he was good looking and turned in, into sort of Freddy Krueger overnight. So that was, yeah, that was pretty challenging. <laughs> And when you said years and years, like do, is something like that, does it ever finish the recovery from burns? From burns is it something you deal with forever? Um, I think he was in pain pretty much every day for I reckon five years because they kept continuing doing more skin grass because every time skin would grow on the top of his legs, it wasn't burnt. They'd get a potato peeler and and cut it off and put it on other parts. Mm. So he was constantly having like as I said, 17 general anesthetics the first year and then that second year there was more and then the third year. There, so as things grew and um, and and it got taut or tight and needed to be adjusted, they did more and more operations to release skin and, and things like this. So, yeah, it was very, very challenging, very challenging. What is that? You know what five years feels like now? Yeah. What did five years feel like then? Did it feel like um, yeah. 15? Did yeah. it go, did it, 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 is it a blur? Yeah. Because of the trauma for yeah, both of you? it felt like um, a, a pretty much a never-ending nightmare. And that's what it felt like. Because yeah. then he went into a spiral, he spiraled into a dark spot where he just <clears throat> self-medicated himself with alcohol and drugs because that was all he could do because he, 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 he just didn't have any way out and hated living, basically. Um, and that was really hard. That was hard for him, and it was hard for me. And um, and you know, we'd started a, we started a family, and so that was obviously hard with kids. But he got himself out of it, and he um, recovered. And now he's yeah, he's amazing. So, but that was a long time ago. Isn't it the the we, when you were telling that story, and when you you mentioned that he passed away at yeah. some point, I'm like, have I missed something? <laughs> key here and then within the conversation got brought back to life yeah. like, i was like that's the same person yes, that's in the there and i'm just like have i missed a real key years. piece yes. of information yes. here but i'm i'm, I'm just you, thank, you're with it we got you, married on my on my you, 20th you birthday. bring me back there as well yeah, <laughs> yeah. thanks yeah. for that yeah <laughs> <laughs> and what did you did you spiral like because let's not um underestimate what the the supporter goes yes. through something yeah. like that, the trauma, and, and after actually seeing the seeing, yeah. trauma of the event itself, like yeah. did you spiral at all? Um, no, I think I just had to be strong and courageous and supportive the whole time. It, it, it was when we had our first child um, that um, I felt like after about five or six weeks, when he was five or six weeks old, I just had a total meltdown. 
Um, and that was probably the hormones. I don't know, but I just was like, I couldn't stop crying. I was like, oh, I can't cope with this being a mother business. But saying know. that before, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, and that was um, that was that was really hard. But I think it, looking back, it, I think that was because of I had kept it together the whole time. Like I didn't even like I I never like I was ha I was strong and positive and never lost it right through you know all his period of um, being in hospital and ICU and burns unit and all the operations because I had no choice because I wasn't burnt he was. <laughs> but there there that becomes the problem when um, yeah. you the whether it's guilt or whatever whatever the word is when you're like well I can't feel bad because I'm not the one that's burnt yes. but you're you're going through a very tough time as well yeah yeah exactly but it was it was it was um it was just doing what um my heart knew I had to do which was be strong for him and that was that was all I could do what did you have around you in terms of support network do you have, fa you have family yeah, here yeah I've got a great family and I'm and I was working at the AMA um the Australian Medical Association at the time and they were amazing and his work People were made. Everyone was really good. Everyone was very supportive. Um, I still, and it's funny when I think back, I still don't know why I stayed in my house. So I was living in the house while half of it was burnt and it was covered in black and going to the hospital every day. I don't know why. I'm like, why didn't I just stay at a friend's house or book into a hotel or stay at my parents? Weird. No idea why. Same reason you went in to get the dressing gown. Yeah, probably. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Very, very odd. But anyway, um, yeah, I did. I stayed here while it was all covered in plastic and black and, yeah, anyway. So what was Suzanne like prior to that? Um, prior, prior to that, were you, um, what have you ended up doing all this if that didn't happen in a way? Like what um, were you no, like as probably, a person? Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not because um, one of the drivers that, that, that drives me to help business owners get, get clear on what success is for them is saying how clear are you on, on where you want to, take this life what do you want to do and and having that clarity from the beginning um of our journey together i think definitely helped us get through especially mm. my husband get through the shit because we'd planned out that we wanted kids we planned out that we wanted to buy a house and that we wanted to backpack the world that he wanted to buy an old jag buy antique motorbikes you know do philanthropic work help an orphanage um do you know homeschool our kids um all these things that we wanted to do we'd plan we'd already talked about them and planned them out and so we had this big long journey that that we could both see that we both had bought into and so if it was just void and if it was just nothing i don't know whether i have no idea we don't know you know when we we can't redo it again mm. but maybe he wouldn't have had so much determination to keep going or get going and have the courage to you know to try and work out how to use his hands again and how to walk again and you know how to you know start to build his life again um, and that's why with business owners, I always say the clearer you can be about what success looks like and what the plan is for you and your life and what you want from your business, the easier it is to go and make it happen. But if you're just every day putting out bushfires and, and wandering around in circles all the time and don't know where you want to get to, you can't get there if you don't know what it looks like, mm. you know? Yeah. And so that way... I suppose you're right, it is a big driver because I know that even when everything goes to shit, if you know where you want to go and you've got that guiding light, it's something to look forward to because, you know, well, that still might be possible. We can still do that. 
do do you see like as a I guess a call it a metaphor or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, to some people, to get a business off the ground and get it from nothing to successful, have to go through a similar thing that you went through in terms of. Not, not if you compare that. Like, yeah, some people literally have to live on the bones of their ass to try and get a business from zero to work. Otherwise, yeah. it won't work if they don't make sacrifices like that. Is that are some no, businesses been nah. founded like that? No, nah, I mean a lot have, but I don't think it has to be yeah. because there's you can you can do things smarter ways. There's lots of people that have um, day jobs that want to start up a business or start up an enterprise and um, and and do it slowly where they where, where they're like dials where they're pushing one up and one down and they're slowly you know um, adjusting their lifestyle to be um, actually implementing their side project that then becomes their main project whilst they've still got something else going on that's paying for the side project Um, so no that I've seen that happen heaps of times Um, so you don't have to you don't have to no you don't have to be on the bones of your bum have you seen people do it oh god yeah heaps 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 some amazing stories amazing stories of people i remember this one gorgeous guy he started business from this idea in his head and he was winning an innovation award for his business and he rang me and he's like Suze, I don't even have the money to buy a friggin' shirt to wear to the fancy awards. I'm going to have to go down to Good Sam's or borrow one. And <laughs> I'm like, well, it's better than not getting up there to get the award, isn't it? Yep. You, it's just part of the journey. So, and, you know, he, yeah, it, he just worked his butt off for a good two and a half years before Ascent came in. Yep. But he was very um, um, determined and clear of what success looked like and just was prepared to do what it took to actually make it happen. Yeah. When did, and I read on your little LinkedIn mm. excerpt that um, you, I guess you were forced to start after the the recovery and, mm-hmm. and everything and starting a new family, you were yep. essentially forced into starting your own yeah, business. Yeah, we did. We were unemployable. And a lot of people start their own business because they're unemployable. And why, why, do. why do you consider yourselves unemployable? Well, I had a six-week-old baby I was breastfeeding. So not so was unemployable in that time not, of the era, not wasn't it? Not attractive to get a job. <sighs> and my husband looked like Freddy Krueger and couldn't use his hands. So, yeah, we were pretty unemployable. Yeah. So my dad said, look, I've got a room in his office in Churchill Ave Subiaco and I'll give it to you rent-free for the first year if you want to start your own business. Let's put a couple of phone lines in because people don't know what you look like or if you've got a baby on the boob, if you pick up the phone. So that's what we did. And you just... Did you have an idea what the business was going yes, to be? Yes. He'd been in an industry that my father had a connection with. So we got the sole distributorship in WA for that product. Ah, okay. And so then we just sat on the phone and spoke to, you know, all the people who were involved in our target market, which was schools, um, universities, hospitals, um, government departments. So we just sat on the phone. Just, oh, and wouldn't have emails and um, social no. media been handy no, back then? No, there was then. no computers. <laughs> no, no, you always wonder, no, how did everyone had, do everything back had, then? We had the phone and we had um, mail, let, mail drops. Oh, what, what year drops. was this? This was in 1989, the oh, end yeah. of 1989. Yeah. And it was the recession that Keating said we had to have. And our interest rates were about 18%. Yep. 
So, and so we, and tough to just trying to get a business loan. Exactly. So we didn't bother getting a business loan. So, but we we made sales the first month. So I think first month was five k or something, and second month was like we doubled it or whatever. So it was fine. Yeah. It 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 worked fine. It worked well, and then we sold it like. 13 14 years later and um and we bought a building instead of renting because my dad said never rent just buy and we made just as much out of selling the building as we did the business yeah so which was good everything yeah. was just rolling yes yeah it, yeah except for when i got sick 10 years later oh yeah i forgot um, i forgot about that yeah Sorry. so yeah. that sort of happened in between that and we that was when we decided to to backpack the world for a year because if i was going to go you know, into the ground. We might as well have fun while I'm still above ground. And so we um, homeschooled the kids for a year and so, backpacked the world so and you, put a manager in our business. We still had a business. Yeah. We put a manager in so we could take an income every week. So you got sick, what, three or four 30, years before you sold it? Yes. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. when I was 33, yeah. yeah the, right, Jesus, and, the Jesus year. And how did that... Watch out for 33. It's not a good year. Oh, no, I'm past that. I'm, oh, I, had to, I had to think a minute not for a bit not there. Not long past. Oh, that's good, yeah. Um, <laughs> when did you... And out of that all, what were the little leading indicators of like, shit, something's not fucking right here? Yeah, I just- Is it my I, turn now? Yeah, it was. It was my turn. Yeah. I just had a lot of pain in my tummy and, and yeah, yeah, I was not, I was not well. Yeah. And it doesn't sound like something that would have been quickly diagnosable. They thought it was cancer. I was in the cancer ward. I was doing a triathlon and I kept getting these, I, I, I've done triathlon for 20 odd years. And um, I was getting, you know, that stitch you get in your tummy at the end of the run. And um, I was like, oh, maybe there's something wrong. So I went and saw the GP and she said, I'll get you an ultrasound. And then they said, sorry, it looks like cancer, ovarian cancer. We'll check you into oncology for a week and um, we'll whip a few things out and see how it's, you know, what it looks like. And um, ended up not being cancer. The guy said, no, it's it's similar to cancer. It's a cell that grows and multiplies and attaches itself to organs and is not good, but it's not cancer, but it might as well be because it's basically um, wreaked havoc of your insides and I'll give you five years if you're lucky. So they took the ovaries, the appendix, my cervix, my uterus, lucky I'd had two kids, and um, they ripped my lower bowel out so I had a new attachment lovely handbag shit bag coming out of my stomach um that was my new um you know a attachment so it was good fun um at times for jokes because if people put shit on me i'd say well, look i've got a whole bag of shit here i can put it on you anytime you want and they would just cringe and go no thanks it's okay it's okay <laughs> so, the old grenade Suzanne's yeah, grenade exactly yeah and so um, but it was really hard it was hard going having it because my body didn't really like it very much so I had that for a few months and then eventually yeah got some good drugs and then eventually um, they reversed it so that was good and, and they killed the disease it was endometriosis and okay I've heard about that yeah. yes and it was in my lungs and my stomach as well that's why they gave me five years to live did they think it was reversible <clears throat> possibly the problem that they have is it's estrogen that it feeds off and at 33 you can't not have hormones so I had to be on HRT hormone replacement therapy and so that is estrogen so then the drugs were killing the estrogen so we've got a drug that's giving it to you and, and a drug that's taking it away from you and there needs to be a fine balance and they didn't know they said they had not had many successes with that 
because yeah. it's it it's hard. It's like we're giving you something but taking it away at the same time. So so yeah. They didn't realise who they were dealing with, obviously. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So then I when I came out of hospital, I went in to hospital. I think I was I was a bit of a chunky monkey then. I was about eighty nine kilos. Um and when I came out I was fifty six. So Holy I shit. looked like a skeleton and that was and I was in a wheelchair I couldn't walk I was so sick and and it's funny because I went to a wedding for a family member I, I broke out of hospital for a family member and the photographer there she had a friend who was in the west I got my photo this is everyone's hearing about me dying and really sick in hospital and I broke out for just a few hours to go to the wedding so I get my photo taken in the west at the wedding of you know the week or whatever mm. um and i look like this skinny wafer model snort um coke snorting wafer skinny thing <laughs> after all that you might as well get on the coke and they're like, like, <laughs> wouldn't have done anything to you and they're like oh yeah um yeah we heard you're dying you look like you were pretty and 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 i'd stood up out of the wheelchair to get the photo and i was like balancing here but because i look so skinny and so white he was obviously attracted to that look and put photo in the paper, which is very funny. So, anyway, what what's it, what's what was the fear of? I've never had this conversation. I do not want to ever have it. When you're yeah. sitting in a in a hospital and getting told you got five years to live, um, I suppose my biggest fear was leaving two children, and at that stage, David was um still having his challenges with alcohol and self um self medicating. And that was my fear is leaving a couple of kids with a husband that still had a dependency on alcohol. And that was pretty scary, like really scary. But what about yourself? <laughs> like you're obviously a very selfless person. You're thinking about um, the consequences well, for I'd everyone be gone, else. Do you so think... it wouldn't matter about me. I'd be gone. So I didn't yeah, care about is, me. I was, I was just really concerned about the kids. That was the biggest thing. Um, that was my, yeah, my serious concern. And, you know, going back to business again, the great thing was with the business that um, because we'd had the business for like, you know, over 10 years at that stage, that it actually afforded me to have the time um, to recover without falling apart, It, which was good because some people, they can't leave their business and go and, you know, have a year off to, to prepare for death or whatever and they can't do that. Whereas I was grateful that we could. Yeah. Um and, and have that time with the kids. So God, after all that you can see why some people would be like, fuck it, I'm just smoking meth flat out yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Cause <laughs> like everything's just like cannot get anything worse happen yeah. to our lives. I didn't yeah, I didn't know about meth and have oh, never tried it That's but. good. Yeah, I don't yeah. <laughs> Apparently a lot of people like it. But, yeah, um, yeah. I've never I've never experienced it. But um the interesting thing was that I got courage, and that's why I don't mind sharing my story. I got courage from reading and and hearing and and watching um, inspirational stories of other people's courage when the shit was they had their back against the wall. Yeah, and you know, even though he's been exposed as a naughty boy now, Lance Armstrong was a big inspiration for me because he just won the Tour de France after um, having testicular cancer, mm. and he was huge inspiration for me. Um, and I remember being out of hospital and not being able to walk more than a couple of feet and thinking, okay, I'll walk another foot tomorrow and another, and then next week I'm going to be walking around the Oval, and then next week I'm going to be running around the lake. And then, lo and behold, three years after that, I represented Australia for triathlon in New Zealand, and I'm like, how the hell did that happen? Mm. 
I was like dying. And here, here I am wearing the green gold. And I was just overwhelmed with joy that that could actually be possible. But well, yeah, you would add a lot less weight to lug around if you were still 56 I kilos. Did. No, I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't. I, I got back into eating again and didn't have that, that little bag anymore. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it was, um, it was one of those dreams, those times when you're actually living your dream and it's like, how is this possible? Um, but it's amazing what you can do when you just put one step in front of the other and um, just believe that anything's possible. How long did it take till you back to, say, close to 100%? Uh, um, I gather you would have had to work on your body a lot to get yourself healthy yeah, and fight yeah. and fit again. Um, probably, um, yeah. I mean, it's always a journey, I suppose, but maybe 18 months, I'd say, <laughs> yeah. about that. Because that year when I was diagnosed, they I had lot like I think I had eight operations that year, taking more organs out and more organs out till they got to the the stage where they'd actually killed the disease. So I had quite a few ops. So um, yeah, no more bikinis. All oh, right, yeah, we're not getting the rig out today. <laughs> no more bikinis. No, and you know the surgeon said to me, I remember he said it was a real shame. I normally operate on old people. And he said it was a real shame having to cut your nice, you know, tanned, fit, muscly um, stomach open. I'm like, thanks a lot. That's really nice. And, and you've now put staples from here to, from the belly button down to my, <laughs> you know. I saw him stand over the top thinking, it has to be an easier way. Yeah, but he didn't. He was just uh, like, nah, get it out, get the oh, chainsaw they're, they're out. Not, uh, and because you're knocked out, they're like. <laughs> Pretty bloody brutal. Oh yeah, oh, they're straight in. Checking out. You this watch one's it on a YouTube. Bit of a, this one's a bit of a fit one. It's better than the old hundred-year-old grannies. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that's. I'm, I'm hoping that that was the last bad thing that happened. Um, no, no, that was just part part of the journey. Um, part of yeah, that was part of the journey. Old Doug's wanting to say hello, and he's going to get hey, caught. He's going to get caught. In, he's going to get caught in your cord. Um, brother. So I suppose um, GFC was the next kick in the guts, I reckon, probably. Um, so the global financial crisis. So after we sold our business, we decided to just do um, property investing and like sort of- Just um, play, the, play the house. Yeah, yeah, we were just chilling and we'd buy our, like a house, say an old wooden house that someone wanted to get rid of for 20k and then we'd go to a country town where there was a shortage of rentals we'd buy the block for like we're buying blocks for like 15k or you know hardly any money and then we'd chuck the house on and then we'd rent it out or we'd sell it um others we used to do subdivisions um where there'd be a block that we could get into three um so we just used to do deals (coughs) bless you bless you sorry Wheeling and dealing. Wheeling and dealing, yeah, and that was great fun. Um, mm. But we got brains in a bull market seriously mixed up. We thought we were good at it and we thought we were pretty shit-hot at it because we were making a living from it. We did for five years. so the bank These just, things just keep going up. Exactly. And so mm. the bank just kept giving us more and more and more and more money and we ended up having about 15 properties and only owed, only owned, sorry, maybe outright, maybe three of them. Yeah. And then GFC hit and everything came tumbling down. And so we had, at that stage, four kids at home. We got a couple of ring-ins along the way and and neither of us had jobs. So I was mid-40s and my husband was mid-50s. 
And so it was really, really, really tough, really, really, really tight. What, like full bankruptcy or? We didn't like, go bankrupt. We decided not to go bankrupt because. Were you, like, were you technically it bankrupt? It was, was close. We got within a couple of hundred bucks some weeks to pay the mortgage. But um, I decided that I'd had a business coach when we had our business. And I thought, shit, I love helping people. I love business. And I love coaching because I've always done a lot of um, sports coaching just for fun, just to help out. Yeah. And I thought if I join all those loves, I could help people with their business. And so um, that's what I did. So I went out and decided to start my own business coaching practice. And that was, what, 13 years ago. Oh, so that was the um, what came out of the JFC yeah. was yeah. for you was the creation of Suzanne Lord. Yeah, Suzanne Laid Lord. Yep. Suzanne Lord is my mother-in-law. Oh, so that's so that's funny. why it was I on my that. tongue. Oh, right. <laughs> well, tell, La- tell her you know a Laid Lord as well as a Law. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, so, Lord, she is. Lord, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's how it started because I knew that um, I'd done the journey of starting businesses and selling business. I knew about tenacity. I knew about coaching. And I like, I like helping people, and um, risk as well when everything yeah. seems to be going really yeah. good. Yeah. So that what happens when it's not? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that was really it was a very tough time because we had you know we had kids here and we had mortgage to pay. They were all um, early twenties, um, late teens, so they eat a lot. Yeah. Very expensive. Um, three of them were students, and so it was tough. Yeah. yeah. But we got through it. I, yeah, borrowed more money to start the business, coaching business, and then just worked my butt off. Um, and we kept this house by the, the skin of our teeth. Um, is that what you say, skin of your teeth? Skin, yep, that is yeah. exactly So it, we bought it for $77,000. and really? then, uh, This house, yeah. Yep. And then when the GFC- A couple GFC, more zeros on it now, yeah, I think. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It saved our bacon. We've owned it outright twice. Yeah. We've owned it outright, but it saved our bacon each time. So yeah. now we're back to having a mortgage on it because all the debts rolled into the house as equity. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's good to have something as a backup. Oh, someone's singing. It's good to have a backup um, so that if the shit does hit the fan, you do actually have something that can save your bacon, which our house has done yeah. on multiple times, which is good. So did, was the Jeff, so how much did that impact in terms of where you – bloody rich went to nothing very quickly or was it were you as you i remember doing our assets and liability um at one stage we were valued at about three our our properties were valued at like close to four mil as Um, in equity you have in them yeah um and then when all the shit hit the fan we ended up selling as many as we could but we were selling them at less than we owed because yep. we just it was just fire sale and so we ended up having i started my business with a debt of 1.8 million wow so yeah. it's nearly a six million was, dollar turnaround yeah which was pretty scary and wow. so now um you know um what 12 13 years later i've got it down to maybe 400k or i've got it i've got it down considerably yeah but it's been hard work yeah. Oh, my missus would kill me if I ended up with 1.8 million tomorrow. <laughs> well, it was tomorrow. a joint deal. We did it together. Oh, that's, yeah, well, that's good. I'd need to have her in on it, <laughs> it somehow. It was a joint. We were, we were both stupid. I mean, the deals that we were doing, the property deals, they were working. So we just kept doing more and more and we were putting offers in on houses left, right and centre. We, yep. we were excited about it. 
So, so yeah, so that was a pretty hairy time because we just didn't want to break the family up. We, the family were really important to us. Mm. And the kids were like, oh, we can go and rent somewhere. And they were like, no, we're not going to lose the house. We're going to keep the house and we're going to get through this. And the kids understood the house was falling apart, you know, falling apart and it looked like a ramshackwood place. But it's, um, yeah, they, they all, yeah, we all, we had a ball together. We had a good, because they were young adults. Yep. And, but we got through it and um, yeah, it was good. It was good times. Wow. That is, yeah. un that is unbelievable. And they laugh about it because um, they know how tough it was at the time. Because yeah. because we had the extra ring-ins, they weren't our kids, but um, they were still part of the family. Um, it made it even more fun because it was different dynamics. So, yeah. Could it could have the property fun. thing worked in... Was it purely bad timing that you tried this property yeah. thing because it was we happening we right? Smart, was, and it was happening when everything was going exactly, like that. We weren't smart at all. Could we could buying, you do it now? Like, would it we're work? We're not interested. Yeah, I mean, but like, was it purely that the worst time in history that you could have done it because it worked because everything yeah. was just going up and up and up? Um, I think if we had jobs, that would be different, but yeah. that was our job. We didn't have jobs. Yeah. So, so yeah, the, the deal was we were, we were buying, you know, a couple of properties, one to two properties a year and building up the assets and the equity, but we just got too carried away. Yeah. I heard, um, I know my parents, they had friends in Brisbane, same thing. They had like, yep. exactly, ex I think it was even the same figures. I remember yes. them saying, they're like, yeah, they've got about 4 million bucks worth of properties. They just keep flipping them, buy these yep. side things. Um, Brisbane goes up. Uh, what's it say? Doubles every seven yes. years, and it was just like this guaranteed thing. It was, but yep. when you think of the um, principles of compound interest, oh, it ain't sustainable no, no. forever. And they lost millions. Yeah, same thing, exactly. exactly and we flew same. to Brisbane and put offers in on a few properties because that was the go place. Yep. And luckily, um, we put low balls in. They never got accepted, so we never got any property there. But we were we were really you know annoyed that we didn't. <laughs> and because you think you're invincible, don't yeah, you? When absolutely. like you're like, this can't go wrong. I just yeah. keep making money. This yeah. is fucking easy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I suppose if you get a business coach that is just been highly just successful, mm -hmm. that's um, not as good as having a business coach that's seen <laughs> the other <laughs> side as well. Screwed up like, as well. <laughs> this, this is like, yeah, because it can go yeah. both ways. And like exactly. some, some business people probably being kissed on the dick a bit where yeah. it's just all going right for them. Oh, oh, definitely. And I think mitigating risk, we didn't mitigate risk at all. And I think, um, you know, having people think of where they want to go and think, okay, well, what if this went wrong? What if this went wrong? What if this? And make sure that they actually take into consideration all of the things that could go wrong and say, okay, well, we've got, you know, we've got, a, a, a you know, an ulterior, you know, an ulterior plan for if that happens, if that happens, if that happens. So mm. plan B, you know, plan C, plan D. But we didn't, we just were excited about making lots of money and, and spending too much as well. Oh, and, and it was probably <laughs> so, in, in terms of a fantastic environment, you were work, working together, just running around, yeah. didn't, as you said, didn't technically have a no, full-time job, no. it would have been fun. Yeah, it was. You are making money, what? like, how good's this? I, I loved going in and putting off, low-ball offers in on places and, um, and some would come off, some wouldn't come off. And the ones that did come off, you know, often we would renovate a place in three months um, we get pre-sediment entry and then get the um, we'd get it on the market before we'd even settled. So then we'd do sediment on the same day mm. and we'd make like 100K or something 
over three months. Yeah. And we'd be like, sweet. Bring out the verve. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So we were just, yeah, got too carried away. Silly. Wow. But anyway. That's a bloody story. Yeah. You never know what you're coming into when you drive to a, a <laughs> podcast with a person. No, exactly. Even after um, exactly. five minutes of research. Yeah, exactly. Unreal. So, yeah. That, I'd say that is, but is there, there, we missed anything in part one, oh, there's, the, the there's, laid there's, there's, story. There's, there's plenty more challenges, but yeah, we could they're just the, go. They're, they're the big ones. They're the big ones. Oh, yeah, they're the big Well, Probably the other big one was was we had um, a bunch of parents die in one year. That was pretty hard. That We call it the deaths year. Yeah. Um, that was pretty hard because everyone's parents should or generally die before them, but we had three of them go in one year. So that was that, that was, seems to happen a lot. Yeah, I do hear that a lot. Yeah, and it was hard, but but um, but it was um a pl- a plane crash, um that my husband's father died in, and that was pretty horrific because um it was like he was there and then whew, plane crash gone, and he just been married because his 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 mum had died six months or nine months previous, and um he'd fallen in love with this lady, he was a funniest character he decided because he's 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 so he'd lost his mum in the beginning of the year I think it was February or something six weeks later I lost my dad um in his early 50s 52 and heart attack and then um his dad decided that because he'd been looking after his sick mum I'm gonna fly a plane around the Bahamas so he put ads in the paper platonic flying partner pleasant on the eyes needed to fly at the Bahamas so he interviewed all these ladies to be platonic, nice on the eye, flying partner. And um, this lady who, who got the job, um, they fell madly in love on the trip around the Bahamas. And so when they got back, they got married on the weekend. And then on the they got married on the Saturday and both died in a plane crash on the Thursday. Oh, my God. So they've been married for five days. Oh. So we never even got to meet her. They had tickets to come to Oz for Christmas. And, um, and so, yeah, so in, it, it, really it was four parents died, but we hadn't met her, so we, don't, we, we haven't counted her. It was my dad, my, David's dad, and um, his mum all in within a year. Yeah. And that was like feeling like your heart is about to explode every day. That was a pretty, pretty tough year. That was pretty challenging. What's it like waking up each day for you? How do you look at the world after after all this? Like, as you'd look at, I would assume after all this, you'd look at it a lot differently than most of us would. Yeah. In terms of your gratitude or just how you approach everything. Um, I Can just, you sum it up? Yeah, I just wake up every day thinking like that, you know, from that, that movie, you know, I think it was American Beauty. It's the first day of the rest of your life, you know, until mm. it's your last. Yeah. So every day I just wake up and think, hey, what amazing things can I do today to help make the world a better place or help people on their journey um, through sharing my experiences? And um, I turn over, roll over, give my husband a cuddle and say, hey, that's another day. We're still alive. Another day we're waking up with each other. <laughs> awesome. Um, and, um, yeah, let's hope we'll have another one tomorrow. Because both of us have outlived our parents. Um, my mum's the last one standing, but my dad made it to 52. His dad made it to 62 and his mum was 63. And he's now in his mid-60s and I'm in my late 50s. So um, every day is just a blessing. It's like no point in ever fighting. There's no point in that or getting grumpy because it might be your last day. Why would you want to be grumpy or fight? It would be a waste. 
You couldn't have any last days left, I don't think. Like you've <laughs> you've used all them up. Like you, you you should be going to 102 now. Yeah, maybe I'll see. Yeah. And but, you're a gilf now, you see. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, you're a granny. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> How old are your grandkids? Um, we've got a four month old little girl and a five year old boy. Yeah. I can't wait to be a grandparent. Oh, so I reckon good. that'll be the best so thing good. ever. So good. Like you want ice cream for dinner? Yep. And you want lollies for that? Yep. No problems. You want to stay up and watch a movie? Yep. It's a, and then you just, just give say them back. yes to everything. Yeah, <laughs> you just give them back the next a couple of hours it's later. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's very good. It's very good fun, and you can be a kid again. So yeah. how good's that? Yeah. And play more on the way, or are they gonna they, are they gonna keep flowing now? Oh well, hopefully, because we've got a, a, we've got some weddings coming up as well. So they've married and got a couple, and then we've got another couple of weddings coming up. One later this year, and one the next year. So that will be good. Yeah. Oh, that that's a that's a good note to end part one on. Yeah. I think that is a very uh, unbelievable story. Yeah. Have you told the whole story like that in a podcast before? Or um, no, never. No, really. No. Never. Why am I so special? I don't know. You asked. There you go. Oh, well, that was easy. <laughs> I, was think, I was thinking we'd be talking about business planning. So, so that is why I put my book together. Yeah. Because I I had so many people say to me, "You've got to share your story to help other people." So that's why I put the the book together so that I can hopefully and I've had two messages today already and I get messages every day two messages today of people who've started my book and have said wow I'm I'm really excited about reading your book and this has changed or this has affected me and there's you know you've given me hope or inspiration is the book more about the business side or your no inspirational I've, 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 I've paralleled um our story our personal story with the business learning that relates to that story so most most people most humans as you know they have shit that happens to them they have to have to get up and go to work or get up and answer the phone at work or or their business or whatever so i've always read lots of business books that are boring or success stories that are unbelievable so what i thought if i parallel our life's journey where we've had all the the, the speed humps um, and every time that speed hump we still had to wake up and 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 turn up for business mm -hmm. so i've paralleled that with the lesson learned in business with the challenge that we had at the time yeah and in the hope of putting that together when other people are going through challenges then i'm hoping there'll be some tools or something that they read that 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 just gives them that little extra hope to, to keep going the next day or to do something different. Get grab put chuck it up at the camera, give it a good plug. Okay, what's it, it what's plug. it called? Where can you get it? Bloody? It's called What's Your Plan? Yeah. There you go. Um, how to turn your business and life around with heart, vision and purpose. There you go. Where can you buy it? You can buy it off my website, which is called whatsyourplan.com.au, or you can buy it from Audible or Amazon or any of them. You can listen to it because some people have listened to it in the car and I narrate it. So um, if people are not good at reading, they can listen to it as well. So either yeah, way. I reckon, yeah, because if I narrated something like that, there'd be bloody car crashes and shit going <laughs> on with my <laughs> bogan monotone. No, anyway, um, yeah, sometimes it's easier for people to listen. So, yeah. yeah right. Way. Well, yep. I want to get into part two, which is okay. going to consist of, yep. where I thought rather than delving into the crux of yep. what no business coaching is, how you do it, what's mm -hmm. the process, or yep. we'll, we'll just do a live session. Okay. Absolutely. It's, been, it's probably me being a tight ass because I'll get it for free then. In no a way. worries. <laughs> I don't care. Whatever helps. It doesn't bother me at all. Oh, I love it. Well, thank you very much, Suzanne. I better check everything's still on. Okay. <laughs>